What's up, everyone? This is Charlie Maverick, and this is the Backyard Pitmaster Podcast. I am blessed and highly favored to be with you today to talk about all things grilling. How were you on this Sunday, fun day, Mother's Day? Yeah, you thinking about grilling something for your mother, you know, your, your special lady. I think we should call this on Women's Appreciation Day, too, you know? Appreciate everything that women do to, I mean, they're the backbone of humanity. Really, they are. Should, should do better at showing our appreciation, really. But if you're out there showing your mother appreciation or from a distance, if you can't be in the same area, that's awesome. Thank you for showing your love back. All right. And you might be out there trying to grill something nice for your mother try not to burn it please season it real nice please and have a couple of sides hey you don't have to go out to a crowded restaurant you don't have to do that now it's probably too late if you don't have the stuff prepared already it's probably too late unless you just you know grilling the steak or whatever it's not too late (laughs) but it's getting caught towards that time right but if you're getting on the grill regardless today man it's a nice day to do so depending on where you are you know i like to grill at night sometimes i don't know the, the bees don't like me i respect bees because i got stung by bees i keep this is like the third pitmaster podcast i said it on but i'm gonna i want to drive that home because you know me and bees you don't want to be in the middle of dumping hot coal in the grill and then you have a bee like ah, on your neck. You don't want that. That That's not the business because you end up burning down the backyard. <laughs> like when you stuck, get stung by the bee, your brain doesn't immediately go back to, oh, I should probably pick up these hot coals before they start burning stuff. Uh, I don't know. I don't know, man. So I like to grill at night. And I went on this little rabbit hole adventure on Amazon and Walmart. I'm, I'm a Walmart too. Trying to find a nice grill light to cook at night. Oh, little challenge there. You would, you would think it's kind of easy, right? They sell grill lights, Charlie. Yeah, 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 whatever. They do, but the, my setup is it's kind of you know tricky because there's people behind us. You know, we got neighbors behind us, right? And if I shine it in a certain way, it goes through their window. And uh, I don't want to be the person that is talked about on Facebook negatively for keeping, you know, the, the people up that have to work swing shift, whatever. I, I don't want to keep them up by shining the light through their window. They might think that the aliens are coming to get them if, like, this bright ass light just shines through the window and like they're, they're coming to take me home that was just me on the grill so what i did the first time is i went to walmart and got one of those dual work lights you don't know what a work light is basically it has a, a tripod set up and it has a really really bright halogen light that plugs in to the outlet and you use those mostly at, like in a garage shop or whatever. It gives you a lot of light. 
gives off a lot of heat too. But it provides, it kind of makes the outside look like the sun's still shining as bright as those lights are. Yeah, those are too bright. I might revisit how I angle them, but it was shining in the back of at least two neighbors' houses when it was pitch black at night. So again, I don't know. I saw one of them open the blind and I'm like, ah, I don't want to be that guy. So I shut it down. Then I got my flashlight. Flashlight's not that cool to use. <laughs> you know, you got you got one hand holding the flashlight, got one hand doing some other stuff and juggling back and forth. Depending on what you're doing at the time, you're going to drop something or burn yourself. Not the business. You try to prop the flashlight on an angle on like a prep table or something still ends up going to somebody's like a neighbor's window if you live close enough or if the light's bright enough i have like one of those like bright flashlights that go a long distance (laughs) man i tell you so over two (laughs) but i saw these grill lights on amazon i'm like ah these little grill lights you know come in a pack of two and they they angle and they're magnetic you know they're magnetic so they stick to a metal surface and you can angle the lights however you want they're small they're basically like the the size of a regular flashlight and it came in a pack of two so i was like hey that works takes three AAA batteries uh what type of lights are they leds pretty sure pretty bright convenient right so bought those about ten dollars got here i was excited i'm like i gotta grill tonight let me tell you what didn't happen i didn't grill that night i i don't know i like the product but unfortunately one of them came broken and you know me i have two Weber kettles that I usually cook on at the same time. So my idea was, and this is how I have my grill set up, my, my pit set up. Have one Weber kettle on the left, a prep station right in the middle where I have all my charcoal and all, everything that I use, you know, as a table or whatever, the prep area, whatever. And then on the other side, on the right hand side of that prep table, I have another Weber kettle. What I was going to do is put each of those flashlights, attach them on the metal part of the prep table and face the light bending towards each Weber kettle. So it just is there and it doesn't shine in anyone's room. I don't have to hold it while I'm doing other stuff. One of them didn't work. I don't know why, but it wasn't worth returning back. Might get another one. I don't know. But it is what it is. It seems like it's a good idea. So why grill at night? It, you're like, why are you grill at night, dude? Well, again, the bugs, one thing, heat, another. And I don't know, it's, it's more calming at night until the dew starts to set in. You know, around like 11, 12, when the dew starts setting. I don't know if you're not in the South, if you don't get this, but the dew point starts to hit <laughs> as the night progresses. Um, and then there's like moisture in here and random rains and all that, but it's more peaceful at night. You're usually 
winding down anyway, so you don't have stuff to do in the middle of while you're cooking. Like, you don't need to go to the store. Hopefully, you had all your stuff ready. You don't have, you know, you're not neglecting any family time, hopefully, if you do it at night, depending on what you cook. And, I mean, it's just, it's just better and for whatever reason. The other type of environment I like to be in, if it's not at night, is if it's really overcast. And what I like about that is it if it's overcast, it tends to have a nice breeze, constant breeze, which helps with the airflow of the grill. And airflow is everything when you talk about managing temperatures, right? Yeah. I like that, man. What do I plan to cook today? Well, I got half a rack of baby back ribs that I had in the freezer. You know, like half a rack? What? Yeah. So baby backs that I have are pretty thick in meat. Uh, my wife and I can't eat a whole rack, you know, between the two of us. I don't know. We don't eat a lot of meat per se at, at one sitting, unless it's like one of those steak pinwheels that we make. <laughs> but, you know gonna season that up i got the the killer hogs barbecue rub from malcolm reed at how to barbecue right one of my favorite 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 people to watch on youtube on how to do grilling techniques and if you're into grilling i think you should start with malcolm reed i think you should really listen to his podcast, too. He has one out there. Yeah. How to Barbecue Right podcast. They promote it on the YouTube page. It looks like a great addition to the seasoning line that I usually use. I, I don't really put a lot of seasoning on my stuff. I kind of want the natural flavor of the meat, charcoal, and wood to kind of go in there. And I wanted to get a specific flavor profile. I want I want the meat to shine. But sometimes, if you're making some baby back ribs, you want that to be rich. Or if you're making a large piece of meat, like a brisket or whatever, you want you want to throw the, the seasoning in there and you want it to be nice and rich. You don't want to, you ever had like a rib and you were on a diet and you're like, Man, this rib is good, but man, it would be a lot better if I if I had some brown sugar on this thing. <laughs> You're like brown sugar? Wait, you do that? Now let me tell you, brown sugar is good, man. You put it right before you wrap the ribs. You put a like a heavy sprinkle of brown sugar at the bottom of the foil right before you put the ribs meat down. Important, and it's going to melt into those ribs when you wrap it tight and put it back on the grill until it's finished. I'm telling you, man, if you've never put brown sugar on your ribs, missing out, man, you're missing out. You got to do it. And if you've never used wood while you cook ribs, I think you're missing out. Now, what type of wood do you want to use? Uh, I mean, not, not a lot of people like wood. I mean, but if you're an enthusiast and you're trying to get to the point to where you're in competitions or you want to sell to 
or the people that don't live in your home, they typically like wood flavor, especially in the South and true barbecue, right? But you don't want a wood that's going to overpower. So you got to be got to be very conscious about that. And I've learned sometimes, depending on what I'm cooking, if I've oversmoked something with the wood or if it was just right, or if I'm like, well, I put that wood on there, but I really don't I, don't, I really don't see any benefit. I might, I might taste a little hint if I really look for it and the smoke ring, eh, barely there. So why do I use wood? I like to use wood because it helps to me, in my experience, give a better bark on your meat when you're trying to get it to the right color before you wrap your ribs. I like to use cherry wood. I started off using apple wood chunks when I first started to really get into, like really, really getting into making some good ribs. And I used to make terrible ribs, dude. I used to burn the ribs. <laughs> Let me go off into a tangent real quick. Because, I, I, you know, I, I'm a backyard pit master. Yeah, great. But I wasn't always that. And I don't know if it's intimidating for some people to get into grilling because of how complex some people make it seem or how little benefit some people make it seem like versus the oven right a lot of people see like hey i could just put it in the oven it's just like the grill i don't agree maybe if you have a charcoal i mean a, a propane grill but i don't i don't agree if you if you have a um charcoal grill i don't think i don't think it's one for one i don't think it's apples for apples Reason I like to use wood also is to give that next level of flavor. And wood pairing is kind of like wine pairing with meat, if you think about it. Think about how you season meat depending on what the protein is. You wouldn't put poultry seasoning on beef, right? You wouldn't put something that would overpower or take away from the ribs. You don't want that. So what I like to do, and it's different between the ribs you cook. Like, let's say if it was beef ribs, I'd probably use post oak because it can take it more, right? But something that has more of a delicate flavor profile that takes on more of what you put into it easily in a shorter amount of time, to me you want to use that cherry wood with those pork ribs to give it a nice mahogany color to let you know exactly when to wrap it like if it gets that deep mahogany and you and you get to the point to where you can scrape your finger over the seasoning and it doesn't come off then you know you're set to wrap i love that the wood also helps in a way, maintain temperature. You put one wood chuck over here, one wood chuck over there, and it helps keep the coals ignited in a certain way. Just in case that temperature starts to dip a little bit, if you organize your wood and charcoal in a certain way, you can actually have it pick up and maintain that speed right before, maintain that temperature right before it starts to drop off. 
and it picks right back up and it keep on rolling. Brand? I don't know. Does it matter what brand of wood chunks? I don't think so. Some people are helping on B&B. Eh. I find whatever is available. Would I use wood chips? Nah, I mean, I, I have used wood chips, but with wood chips, you have to have like another step in there. I would say most, most of the time you want to soak them. That's cool. But I like to just throw a wood chunk in there and just let it roll. It'll last long, depending on depending on how big the wood chunk is and how you have it arranged in your charcoal bed. That one chunk can last you the entire cook or give you enough smoke for the entire cook. You don't want to add like you don't want to. So if you go get a bag of chunks, wood chunks, it gives you the impression that you could cook with this with just using the wood chunks and nothing else. <laughs> no charcoal or anything. Don't do that. Tell you now, don't do that. You're going to smell it. You're going to smell like you just came out of an inferno. Well, let's say if a fire started at like a, a butcher shop, I guess. And then you're probably going to take on too many smoke inhalation. Your, your food is just going to taste like smoke. No seasoning. Guarantee it. That's all, that's all you're going to taste. So you want to be kind of liberal. You, you'll learn based on what you cook, how thick the meat is, how much wood you add. But I think that's very beneficial. Yeah. And what else am I going to cook today? Uh, yeah, steak. Cowboy ribeye. It's that time again. Cowboy ribeye steak for the wife. She loves it. I love cooking it. Any reason I get on the grill, right? Season up real nice. Reverse sear again. If you wonder how to do the reverse sear technique, look at the past episodes. I, I kind of bring it up a lot because the, the way that I cook on the Weber kettles, this majority of the time, the majority of the time is indirect cooking, two-zone cooking. Make sure that the meat does not burn. Cooks like an oven, gets the flavor of a grill. You should try it. I'm going to put that on about the same time as the ribs, and that's going to get done. The ribs are going to take a while. Then I have these uh, two pork Florentine pinwheels. So you saw an ongoing theme with the pinwheels that we do over here first one was a steak from Publix they you know they they do that one brought it home loved it that's also good in the air fryer by the way if you have an air fryer oven it's really good in there if you can't use the grill then we made a from scratch a stuffed a seafood stuffed salmon pinwheel multiple times and now we are going to try out the pork version of this. We, depending on how it is, we may or may do it, try to do it from fresh, 
from scratch next time. Don't know. Might be more cost effective to uh, just get both of those from Publix, like we do the steak one. It's pretty good quality. Pretty good, man. So, what is the big news I was alluding to earlier? Mm. Well, what the pandemic has taught me is that it's hard out here for a pimp. <laughs> so I'm just kidding. Um, it taught me that you got to think about long-term how you want wealth income to be coming into the family and whatnot. You don't want to be dependent on conglomerates, right? And plus, to keep you mentally level, whatever hobby you have or aspiration you have, whatever you want to call it, you take it by the horns and you do it because life is short, right? And with that said, I want to try to venture into selling dinners on the catering level or food truck level. And that's where I kept alluding to the fact that I want to use lies farm fresh 24 seven because getting the best ingredients is going to produce the best quality food. You can get crappy ingredients, blah, blah, anywhere. But I mean, I'll just say what you put in is what you get out. What you get out is what you put in. Either way, how you say it, it's the same thing. Quality does matter. And freshness does matter. The way it's grown, the way it's, you know, if it's not processed, great. And the way you hand that over and, you know, pass that on to your customers in the form of a finished dish is awesome. I would love to use this to source meat products and seafood. Uh, rubs. Um, I talked about having Malcolm Reed's killer hog barbecue rub. He's, I mean, that's a small business too. So he can technically use this even though he's in Walmart distribution right now. You'd never know how that's going to go, right? <laughs> You never know how those negotiations are going to go long-term, I'm just saying. So you want a decentralized way to either source or distribute your food. Yeah. That's awesome. So that would, that would be a great thing to utilize, especially the meats. I go into Publix, Walmart, Kroger. And Costco. Sometimes I'm really disappointed at what I see. And the transparency behind how that supply chain works. Yeah. And what it's doing to the environment, which Pete talked about. Yeah. And the accessibility that Damien talked about. Yeah. All those. All those things. All those things come into play and factor in. You know, I I want to not be, hmm, I don't know, I'm not asking for uh, 
something to change overnight. And I'm like, hey, I'm the, you know, the largest cater, barbecue caterer in the area. That'd be great. Baby steps, man. But that's what I want. Aspire to be and get to the point to where you guys are able to consume some of this great barbecue that I'm cooking. I love barbecue. I know people love barbecue. And if you go to one of those barbecue restaurants, how many times have you been to like Jim and Nick's? They're really good barbecue. And you get the brisket and you're like, eh, man, it's okay, but it was dry. Versus if you go to someone's house and they made it themselves, they put more love into it because they're not making it for a lot of people at one time. You know, they don't have like 20 briskets on a huge drum smoker. And just to make sure that they have the food ready for the next business day. And when they, you know, they cut it, it's, I mean, it's, it's great looking, it's, it tastes fine, but it's just not something that you would put love into. It doesn't have that moisture that just like, you ever looked at a YouTube video and it's a grilling video and they're they're going through how they make the brisket and they slice it and all the juices run out. You're like, I want that. I remember going to Texas and going to a barbecue spot that one of my coworkers took me to. Shout out to David. And we got a chance to go back and view the pit. Oh, I was in heaven. Got a couple of um, pointers and was able to kind of open clothes and stay with those guys while they cooked for a while. You know, in Texas, they mainly use salt and pepper. 50-50 ratio salt and pepper. Then post oak. This stuff's good. They never, they never tell you the secret season that they put in because it's not just salt and pepper you taste it and you or you try doing salt and pepper on yourself and you're like doesn't doesn't taste the same there's something else of course they can't tell you everything they put in because they'll probably close down because people can replicate it all the time but i picked up a lot of good tips there on that short short exposure in austin texas and I really want this to be, you know, the main thing that I do. And I like to talk to you guys about it a lot, you know? So, yeah, I just want to say that one day the goal is to possibly be, possibly be the main person to sell barbecue in my area it's a large feat it's in the south oh man uphill battle but hey you gotta you gotta work towards your dream well you'll never get there right so i hope you guys will support me on my venture eventually when that takes off Always supporting 
local business when you can, right? Farmers market, bakeries, farms, flea markets. Anything you can get to, that'll be great. How do you guys pick which charcoal you like? Do you use Kingsford? Do you use B and B? Do you use lump charcoal? Does it does it even matter to you? <laughs> do you just like, hey man, just throw it on the grill, man? I don't care what it is. If it lights up, let's let's just burn it, you know. And what type of grill do you have? You know, award-winning pitmasters will tell you. You can buy an expensive green egg, Kamado Joe, Napoleon grill. You can do all of that stuff. And not know how to use that expensive-ass grill. But what they say is, what they always come back to is that Weber kettle or the PK grill. Two of the oldest grill makers out there. I remember Weber, the history of Weber is they used to make these buoys when they first started the company. Their primary focus is making buoys. And one of the people from the company was like, hey, how about we chop this the top off this thing and let's possibly use it for something else. They saw vision. And there it took off. Weber is now known for their grills. Their most popular one is the Weber Kettle 22-inch, which is what I have two of. Why do I love them so much? First of all, they last forever, it seems like. You don't have to worry about a heavy, heavy ceramic grill that eventually does tip over. It's going to crack and you're done. You don't have to worry about it rusting. I mean, unless you just F it up so much that it is going to rust. It's easy to clean out. I would love to get a larger pellet grill type thing, but... Look, when, when it comes to the part of cleaning out grills, that's not the fun part. The best thing about the Weber kettles is you just have that, that lever that you go back and forth with, which also doubles as you know adjusting the intake of air. You clean out the ash, take your hand, squeeze the handle on the, on the ash bin, dump it. Attach it back in, and you're back to grilling. It's that easy. I mean, other grills have those like ash, you know, trays, whatever, but they're kind of small, and they're not that, no. I know a buddy that has a green egg says he uses his shop vac to, to clean out his big green egg. Jesus Christ, really? Must you have to go through such measures? I don't know. But it's all about the pit master. It's not the grill. You could buy a twenty like a twenty dollar grill from Walmart. You know the ones that sit out in the front. It's probably like the blue ones. That you probably take on a camping trip. Or if you want to pick up like a grill, then take it to like a park that you don't want to use that open face grill that everybody uses. I'm telling you, you can cook some good food on that too. You can still do indirect cooking, just like a Weber kettle. 
put them off to one side. Even this fits a one-time use grill. It's the pit master. You, you, you adjust your temperatures. You adjust the meat position. You put whatever on there and let it roll and, and monitor it. You, you have, I don't know, you didn't want to take your expensive grill to the park and you got a cheap one. You can still take your temperature probe with you just to make sure you have close to the same quality as if you would cook that at home. Why not? Huh? It's, a, it's not the pit mess. It's not the, it's not the pit. It's the pit master. I want to keep driving at home. And I think that kind of like lowers the, the hesitancy of people trying to really get into grilling. Weber kettles aren't expensive. I got the master touch ones that are easy to clean out and they have the hinge. So you can put the the top on and don't you don't have to lay it on the floor, or set <laughs> the floor, the ground, and they're really good quality. I mean, they do everything well. I don't know what they don't do not well. You can convert the thing over to a pizza oven. They they have so many accessories and attachments. The one that I like is the slow and sear, what I got for my birthday. I love that. Got a couple of other attachments with it they have a i don't know if you ever heard of a santa maria grill accessory but it basically sets the grill grate on the upper part of the grill around the ring of it and you're able to adjust the height of whatever you're cooking above or below that so let's say if you want to cook some chicken whatever uh, fajitas and you kind of wanted to have it seared then back it off a little bit and seared and back it off a little bit you use a Santa Maria type grill you get more area on your Weber kettles by buying a upper rack some of them come with it but man get out there and grill man use your favorite season I always try to use the base of salt pepper garlic I'm going to start dashing some of that Killer Hogs barbecue rub on there to, to retaining what I'm doing, you know. And just get out there and do your thing. Time is of the essence, but it doesn't dictate when things get done. You can't put a time on grilling. It might take you two hours. It might take you four. The meat ain't done until the meat's done. You don't know if the temperature fluctuation outside or within the grill actually causes the meat to either speed up or slow down. It might hit that stall point. You grilling enthusiasts out there know, you know, you hit a stall point on, you know, your pork butt or your brisket. Eh, you got to push through it, right? That's when you wrap it. That's when you freaking freaking wrap. And how do you wrap your ribs? How do you wrap it? Do you do... Butcher's paper? It depends on what camp you ask. You know, you just like the iPhone and Android battle, this, this aluminum foil and butcher paper battle. I haven't used butcher paper. Aluminum foil retains more enough moisture for me. And it's easy to access. Just get it anywhere. But I say if you were to try to cook for a um, 
a panel of judges, you might want to try to put your paper. I don't know. Is it different quality? Nah. Does it cook faster? It cook to me. It cooks faster than the foil, so it reduces your time. <clears throat> you just don't want it to sit there as long as it would in the butcher paper, because, of course, foil, in a way, insulates, but it doesn't transmit or conduct. It doesn't conduct the heat, but it does insulate it. So. It's going to keep your meat moist and warm to the best of its ability if you wrap it tight. But it's not going to be really hot when you touch it. So it's going to trap all that in there. It's going to kind of steam it. You're like, I don't want to steam on a grill. Well, don't steam on a grill, man. You don't have to wrap it. There's camps that don't wrap either. Well, the last thing I want to talk about today is do you or do you not take the membrane off your ribs? That's another camp. Oh, man. I can go either way. I grew up with spare ribs and baby backs with the membrane on. I think it keeps the ribs more intact in terms of having it in the rack format. Um, the only thing about it is the, the kind of back of it where the membrane is, it doesn't allow you to get a lot of seasoning in there. Now, what you could do and what a lot of barbecue pits do, because you can't just stand there. You can't just stand there and just pull membranes off all day. They don't got time for that, but they do score the membrane a lot with the knife and they can do it really fast so it's it's more efficient so you kind of get the best of both worlds in a way i might try to do that i did it a couple of times i didn't see any main difference with keeping the membrane on and then scoring it what i did see when i took the membrane off especially on uh spare ribs is they're more liable to fall apart off the bone. So if you don't want fall off the bone and you want that margin of error to be, I don't know, you know, more forgiving, you may want to, I don't know, keep the membrane on or score it. Beef ribs, definitely keep the membrane on. <laughs> the beef ribs will fall apart on you, man. That's the only thing that's holding it on is the membrane. Now, it's tough now. It's tough. It won't render. It won't render. You won't eat that part. Don't, don't try to eat it. But it will hold your, your rack together. And uh, the season just won't get through it. That's all. It's okay. You'll learn and adjust. If you guys want to follow the Backyard Pitmaster podcast, I would encourage you to do so on the Mavcast audio blog feed where all the other podcasts on the channel reside. And those are the Mav Tech Podcasts, Cooking Grits Podcast, and the other ones, dun, dun, dun. the flagship Mavcast podcast. Until next time, you guys, wherever you see fire, I don't know. I hope somebody's cooking some uh, 
ribs for you to eat. If you don't look, I'm sorry. If you don't eat pork, oh, I feel so sorry for you. You should probably start to eat at least pork ribs. I remember, let me real quick, real quick. Sorry, real, real quick. So with with working with international people, right? You came over one time, go, you know, you know, work thing, and you know they had barbecue catered. And these people don't usually get American barbecue, right? Oh God, you should see the look on their face when the ribs get set on the table. It's not the beef ribs; it's the it's the pork baby backs or the the St. Louis cut. And even if these people don't normally eat meat, <laughs> I promise to God they'll make an exception. They usually do. <laughs> That's how good barbecue is. So, hey, man, look, get it where you fit in, but ain't nobody trying to run for no rack of ribs. The people will show up if you have the racks, racks on racks on racks. All right, guys, you be blessed. Stay up, fire up, and be sure to spritz your meat so it doesn't dry out and people hate you. Oh, oh, and guess what? Do not put foil directly on the on the rack of the grill so you don't have foil sticking to your chicken it it usually doesn't help the chicken not stick because you probably have the grill turned up too high to where when you flip over a couple of pieces of chicken your 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 tongue is going to go straight through the dang foil anyway it always happens and then eh, whatever you're gonna burn your chicken eh, or undercook it don't do that god bless good night Hey guys, how you liking the show? How you liking the podcast? How you liking the content and journal I'm sending you away? I hope you do. And if you do, and you want to keep making the show better and better and better, which I'm really trying to do, and get it out to more people with the best sound quality possible, and get some possibly celebrities on here, and people from the tech industry on here as interviews and panel guests. Oh, that'd be great. Please support the show via the cash app link I'm going to put on the description show notes yeah so you can also get producer credits by doing so I'm not asking for a specific amount anything that you can give to say thanks and I thank you for being loyal and listening to every everything you can on the podcast channel I hope you come back and share with your friends more be blessed and have a great day